Bam, we're live. Darn it. I just did two minutes of show on the wrong channel. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Were you live on a different one? Yeah, don't, 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 Sousa, don't. <laughs> remember we were gonna have Emily Rolf on and I never I never I never in that broadcast is all set up and so oh. I just I, I, I Emily Rolf Neil Maddox what's the difference that's that's how open I am man woman black white other I don't give a fuck I thought Emily <laughs> Rolf Neil Maddox were the same person uh, I thought I thought em, I thought Neil was just Emily in transition I got it all fucked up uh, I was nervous and then when I saw the comments coming in on the side I was like okay I think I'm on the right one then Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I randomly open the book and I read to you a, a segment. He was in harmony with the Tao as like a newborn child. Its bones are soft, its muscles are weak, but its grip is powerful. It doesn't know about the union of male and female, yet its penis can stand erect. So intense is its vital power. It can scream its head off all day, yet it never becomes hoarse. So complete is its harmony. The master's power is like this. He lets things come and go effortless, effortless, effortlessly without desire. He never expects results. Thus, he is never disappointed. He is never disappointed. Thus, his spirit never grows old. Booyah! Random pickup from the greatest book in the world. I know that's going to upset some of you. Do not let it. Because if you are offended, then you need to go back to the Jim Hensel podcast. That's just a random opening of a book called The Tao Te Ching. A friend of mine gave this to me in college. And as you can see, it is my favorite book. And he said in here, he wrote this thing in here that I always read to make sure that I stay in the material world and keep my head huge. Sevon, this is your book. This book is you. That was an incredible. That's number 55 in The Tao Te Ching. That's the Stephen Mitchell translation. You want this book if you do not own this book. This book says absolutely nothing. You must have this book. This book points into the no thing world. Brian Gamble, Heidi Krum. What, I, Heidi Krum? 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 Do you, do you, have you seen that movie Krum? C-R-U-M-B about the uh, San Francisco comic? If you have no. not seen Krum... Yeah, you have to see that movie. It's a documentary. Victor Brown, Victor Brown, Miss Sucky My Plums. Wow. Yes, please. <laughs> Miss Sucky My Plums. You must be popular in the club. <laughs> we got Neil Maddox coming in. He is um, uh, at the gym still getting his swole on. He told us to be a few minutes late. I told him it's fine. 710 would be great. Eric, good morning. Uh, I thought of an, an example today. Um, they, they would explain to people why so many people around them are dumb. Some of you will get this. Some of you will not. If you don't get this, that is because you are on the dumb side of judgment. <laughs> you just are dumb. Um, but, but there's hope that the good thing is, is that there's hope and in, in dumbness, there's a lot of happiness. So here we go. If I point to someone who's running out of a, if I point to someone who's running out of a store and, and, and let's say they stole something and I say, and the cop goes, what did he look like? And I said, he was a black guy. The color of his skin has nothing to do with the fact that he's stealing from the store zero. And when you make that connection, that's normal. Just like you would make the connection. If you saw a snake with a big ass mandible that Leah, he has venomous um, uh, fangs in there. You know, you start building up some sort of identity and discrimination and prejudice, just like you stay away from fast cars, right? 
instead of slow cars because it, you, you, you start to build a discrimination and prejudice against them. Nothing wrong with that. Those aren't bad words. But there's no truth to it. There's no absolute truth to it. If you saw a black guy running out of a store and you thought that – and I told the cop that the guy was black and you thought the color of his skin had anything to do with the fact that he was taking something from the store. Zero. But if I pointed at someone and, and a group of people, I said, that guy, had, that, that guy has type 2 diabetes and Susan said who? And I said, the fat guy. At that point, when I say the fat guy, I'm not only describing him, but I'm telling you yes – and you have to be smart enough to know the difference. Yes, that fat is indicative of having type 2 diabetes. Stealing in black skin, not related. Helping people in black skin, not related. Now, if I said, you, if there were a bunch of guys, if I'm sitting in a room and I said, which guy has, someone said, which guy has cancer? And I said, the black guy, then his skin might, he has skin cancer, then it might have something. Or if I said something about how his skin reacts to the sun, then, then that characteristic is related. And that's where the confusion is because, because we want to dumb everything down because we don't think people can figure that out in society. There's this uh, um, subway in the Bay Area, the Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland, that whole area surrounding that body of water in California called the Bay Area. And there's a, there, we have a subway here, a horrible one, completely <laughs> impractical pile of shit called um, BART, Bay Area Rapid Transit. Yeah. And they don't want to release their camera footage of all the crime – because they think it will support racism. Now think about that. How dumb are those people that they have it confused? I'm going to make the assumption or presupposition that all the people stealing on those camera videos are black people. And because of that, they don't want to show it because then they think people will make the connection that it's black people committing all the crime. It's, 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 we can't stop that. We can't help that. But if you're in that group and you think skin color is indicative as opposed to just a description, then, then you're a fucking retard. You are the racist. Those are the racist. The stop Asian hate people, racist. They, they support it as its essence under the guise of trying to be kind, but it, but it just feeds it. It's like the person – I swear to you, man, it's, it's like the old lady who feeds the rats. And your neighborhood's full of rats because she every night at midnight she goes out and lays down a twenty pound bag of dog food. <laughs> but but she's being but she, but she's being told that um, she is a humanitarian and environmentalist. By the way, you guys must be ecstatic who voted for Biden and John Kerry. Did you see John Kerry's really concerned about the, what the war is going to do to global warming? That's crazy. It's absolutely insane. I bet you not one person you know who believes in global warming could explain the scientific merit behind it. You know it can't be reverse engineered. You know that's the main problem, right? You can't take the theory of global warming that they have and, and, and go backwards in time and be like, yes, there should have been a hurricane here. Yes, there should have been this issue here. Yes, the glacier should have been like this here. That's the problem with the theory. If it was valid, it would work in both, both directions, predicting the future and going backwards, predicting the back. Yeah. And it does not work like that. I can tell you, I can give you a theory of when there was traffic every day for the last thousand days um, in, in Santa Cruz, California. I have a theory for that. I can tell you the time, the dates that there wouldn't be. Yeah. Oh, the global warming theory cannot does not work like that. 
Well, most of those political things are just wrapped up in to sound good. So then that way you support them. And then really it's just them siphoning more money, more bureaucrats, more administrators. So they could just pay and continue to grow the government as is not actually fix or change anything. And then, and then you feel guilty and then you feel guilty for not believing it. And you don't want to stand up because they try to intimidate you and say that you're stupid or something like that. <laughs> must be freezing in Neil Maddox, Jim. What's up, That's gentlemen? Way. That's the only reason why he did What's up, Matt? Neil? What's up, Neil? What's you giving away free masks in your gym, buddy? What's up? <laughs> I, said, I was just making fun of your mask. <laughs> hey, man. You got, hey, I'm right across the street from a hospital. So when you're right across the street from the hospital, you got to follow the rules or a sheriff shows up to your uh, facility. Neil, uh, Neil Maddox uh, has a gym in the hive of uh, – psycho insanity it's about 50 to 60 miles i don't even know if you're that far north of me you're 20 miles north of me right uh yeah i also live in the hive of insanity <laughs> it's crazy the gym looks good buddy oh thanks man I, 2011 I have, reebok look at I, you I, I still have all the old school where, when when it was good oh that's nice neil do you know matt souza he owns crossfit livermore oh hey, how, how, you doing? Doing? how you doing bud i'm doing great man great to meet you <laughs> Yeah, so we just got done doing a little bit of an open workout here, and so uh, that's why I was running a little bit behind this morning. Uh, well, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Good to see you. Get- What's the temp in there? I know you look like uh, you're we – oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hey. cold, man. It's pretty cold right now, so we're, we're out here grinding. We were just talking about predictive uh, things that you could um, predict. What, t- tell me about how temperature affects uh, people showing up to that. Cl- that's that's your six o'clock class, six a.m. class. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, in the morning. So if it's summertime, it's a little bit different. But right now, I mean, it affects people. The colder it is, the less people show up. The warmer it is, more people show up. So you know, right now, you know, it's a pretty cold day, but we had a good turnout. Twelve. Do you have, um, I go to that skate park in Sunnyvale once a week and it, the people there look totally different than the P like the skate park by my house. It's, it's, it's mostly boys between the age of seven and 25. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and when I go to the skate park in Sunnyvale, it's mostly, um, it's it's a combination but everyone's older there's like 40 year old asian women there there's like like lots of them. they're they're all just rich fucking um uh silicon valley types who who you know what i mean they're all investors and shit like that it's a great like really rich smart people like if like some if i talk to someone there i'm like hey what do you do they're like i'm an engineer at facebook i i, I discovered a new skateboard do you want to see the bearings on? i mean just everyone's <laughs> like is it like that in your gym too it's just overachiever smart uh, we, you know, I have a, good, people. a pretty good blend of a little bit of everything, uh, from your, um, NFL athlete on down to your typical 72 year old, uh, old mother pop, you know, so it, I have a good mix of everything. Uh, as you were talking about with that skate park, it just reminded me back in the day in San Jose, we used to have this awesome, um, warehouse that was, a, it was basically Tony Hawk. All the best used to come down here. It was 10th street. It was a 10th street warehouse. They had big humongous, humongous 20 foot half pipes. I mean, you had Steve Caballero, you had everybody. So as a wow. kid, I was a skater. So as a kid, I'd just go down there, go to the skate park and you'd just watch all these icons skating. But then of course, once I got into football, I got rid of skateboarding got rid of all that stuff and solely focused on uh, on that you got a, you got an active guy in the nfl in your gym uh so yeah so the guys uh, who i've worked with uh in, in through this past season i was uh, helping uh, kevin gibbons with the niners rehab 
Uh, Kiko Alonso is one of my other guys that I worked with, Darnell Sankey, Steve, uh, uh, sorry, Shane Smith, and so on. So, um, awesome. I'll tell you a story. I, I never, I never have told anyone the first time. I, I don't, I don't even think my wife knows. Ah, she probably know, knows because I probably cried in my hotel room that night. <laughs> um, it was. I don't remember what games it was, but I started filming the behind the scenes a day earlier than I was than I normally do, and the first and and. And it was the day or two before the event started. And I was like so proud of myself. I got to Carson early. And um, one of the things I filmed is at nighttime, all of you guys went down to test the water for the swim. This was even before the game started. Yep. And there was this amazing lecture that the lifeguards gave, like basically telling you guys, hey, there's sharks out there at all times. And I was staying very close to you at that point. And then everyone I went out for the swim and you got fucking mauled by a jellyfish. No, I, it was a stingray. I got stung by stingray? a stingray. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So and you were fucked we're, up. Yeah, so we're and out there. I filmed there. all that. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so so what happened was we went out there. We're getting uh, you know briefed on everything, what was going on. And they said, shuffle your feet when you're out there because there are stingrays. Believe it or not, most of the stingrays hang out more so towards the pier versus out in the open area because there's that shade and all that stuff. And so I, we're pretty close to the pier. So I went walking out and literally, I, I mean, I was maybe maybe ankle, not even a little over ankle deep. And I all I felt was something just like a big shock through my whole body. Oh. Like, what the hell? I picked my foot up. I had something in my foot. So I, it was like, I don't even know what the hell. It looked like a, I don't know, a thorn or something. I don't know what the hell. And I pulled it out and then I started bleeding and my leg just started burning. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And so right after that, the lifeguards took me in. And when they took me in, they uh, gave me some treatment. So whenever you get stung with a stingray, you just got to let it, uh, basically you got to rinse hot water on it. You got to just like put hot water or stick your uh, foot in a hot tub. And so right when we're doing that, Everyone else is doing their practice and all that stuff. I'm sitting there for the so for the next six to seven hours. I'm at the hospital. I they take me to the hospital. I'm going to the hospital. I, my leg is burning because I got poison in my leg and all that stuff. They give me a bunch of shots. So right when I go into those games, I'm not even 100. I'm like, what the hell, man? My right <laughs> leg, my right leg is just not working. And as you guys know, my games ended early. I ended up tearing on that same side. I ended up messing up my right adductor on the same side where I got the stingray where I got stung by a stingray, but, but my leg was not normal. I mean, it wasn't normal for three to four weeks after that. Uh, uh, this guy, this guy brought up a, a good question. Uh, you don't pee on it. They didn't tell you to pee uh, on it. So, so the reason is, so if you pee on it is because if you don't have access to hot water and when yeah. you're pee, when you're pee is hot. So when you pee, yeah. you know, that's why you'll pee on it. But typically you don't pee on it. If you have access to hot water. And then, and then, and then Eric, um, a lot of people don't know this. Neil probably doesn't know this either, but after you pee on it, because you don't have hot water, if you still don't have something hot, you just put a warm vagina on it. You just have your, woman, <laughs> your girlfriend straddle your leg and, and I will keep it. Uh, so, so I film all of this. I film all of this. It's great. I'm like, like, yeah. Like, you know, like I, I'm like pretending to feel bad for Neil. Oh, I'm so sorry, Neil. But really I'm like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. This is going to be great behind the scenes content. I'm excited. I get home. There's no audio like a fucking <laughs> idiot that night in my hotel room. I'm looking at the footage and that's why that never made the behind the scenes that whole day. I worked my ass off. I filmed for fucking like 12 hours and I never had the fucking mic plugged in. And no I, don't know audio. Audio. I, I, I wanted to kill myself. I, I, I was, it was, it's like the worst thing that can happen to you as a camera guy. 
It's happened to me twice. I, I did a behind the scenes with Kristen Clever at her house once, and that happened. That's it's happened to me twice in my career. It's horrible. Like, like literally, like I got the you get the sweats. Do you know what I mean? Like you hate yeah. yourself. It's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, that, would, that would suck. That would suck big time, man. Oh man, that was so bad. And then and then of course you guys see that Dave Castro has been consistent and not caring about the athletes. Um he put Neil Maddox in a very dangerous situation. Clearly what they should have done is they should have been safety first and they should have just put each individual athlete in their own bathtub and just had them tread water for it. <laughs> there there's a great there's a great comment somewhere on youtube or someone some guy says they need to put athlete safety first and someone goes you fucking idiot this like that if that was the first thing you put first everyone would just stay home that cannot be the first thing you put first. <laughs> athlete safety first it's it's so it's so like what you're supposed to say right it's just, but it's just not real yeah so, so what's a what's a funny story is that you know, for as many times I've went out in Santa Cruz and just swam out, I literally would swim right by the boardwalk and would swim swim out to those buoys and around those buoys. Not once did I ever get get attacked by or get stung by a stingray, jellyfish. Not once. But then I go down south, and what are the odds? They said one in a million. And guess what? I should have played the lottery that day. <laughs> yeah, crazy. <laughs> that, is that the same thing that killed Steve Irwin? Yep, he got hit in the chest. Oh. But he got hit by a bigger one. I think the one that I got, it was, it, it had to be small. I, I didn't see it. So the one that said Neil was this long. The one that got Steve Irwin was this. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it was long, man. All I know is it was small, but I mean, that thing packed a punch, man. But they said the smaller ones are deadlier <laughs> with the, like the venom they released. But luckily I got everything thrown out real quick. Look at this. We haven't made a buck in a long time. Sunil. Oh, there's, Sunil. There's, there's my guy right there. One of my, one of my guys right there. What's up? Sunil? Oh, that guy uh, trains awesome. at your joint? Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Sunil. Hey, um, you were doing the open this morning? Uh, yeah, so my gym members were doing the open. I'm not doing the open, but my gym members were doing the open this morning. And and, and why don't you do it? You don't want anyone to see that you're 50% of the man you used to be? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you, you, nailed it, you nailed it. You nailed it. Uh, you, know, you know, believe it or not, honestly, you know what? Uh, I mean – from all the years of competing and stuff, I just killed my adrenal glands, man. And so I just don't go there anymore. I just, I mean, I did, I've, I've competed my whole life. And so now it's just, I just want to enjoy my workouts and not have to just go through the death of the workouts because I can't just attack a workout like a normal person. I, ha I attack it with a games mentality and my mentality is go out there and win that shit. So it's like, I just got to back off. And so now when I train, I just, I, you know, I train mostly by myself now because I just don't want to, I just, I don't want to be in that competitive mode anymore. I want to focus on my family and really focus on my son. That's where all my time and energy is going right now. Uh, how old's your son? He uh, just, uh, matter of fact, he turns, uh, oh, guess what? Eight months today. <laughs> oh, you're in love. Look at oh, you. Oh, yeah. Me and my one love. We're, we're both in love with him, man. He's uh, I, I'm just so blessed to have a boy. I never thought that I'd have a boy. I do have a daughter. You know, she's a lot older and stuff, but I'm just so blessed to have a boy. I mean, having a kid. You have know, a beautiful daughter, by the way. We went out to dinner the other night, and I saw her picture. Holy yeah. cow! I mean, Great. when you're when you're younger, when you're younger, and you have a kid, it's a little bit different versus when you're older and you have a kid. Um, you know, being in my 40s, it's just it's different. 
you know, when I was younger, I loved growing with my daughter, but it was like I was growing up with my daughter. So we were growing together. Now it's like I have all this wisdom and knowledge that I've gotten over the years. Now I have this information that I can really, truly pass to my son and not just grow with him. I can actually raise him, uh, you know, and I don't think I did a bad job with my daughter because she graduated from college, did everything else. But it's Congrats. just a approach. Thank you. It's just a different approach. And it's just different. The cool thing is I love watching your videos because when I watch your videos of the, of your kids and all that stuff, it gives me so much motivation and so much drive of what I want to do with my son and how much time I want to spend and share with him. I, yeah. I encourage you to, it's a different, how your daughter's 25. You said, uh, yeah, it's a different landscape. Now I encourage you to consider just fucking raising your son like the way a lion raises. Well, I don't know if lions do this, but just right next to you in the gym. That, Let him learn his math by counting reps. Let him learn his this business acumen and uh, by um, helping you make journeys to the bank. I seriously mean that. Outside of maybe doing Kumon ten or fifteen minutes of, of structured math and reading every single day from the age of three, yep. I like. F- I, I I don't think, especially in the Bay Area, the school is the way to go anymore. I I, re- I know it sounds like a complete wackadoodle. I, if someone would have told me that before I had kids, but. Now I'm intimate with the school and I'm like, man, like someone like you, what he could learn from you and those clients in that gym, if he was raised in there, dude. So it's funny funny that artist people, he's never going to meet three NFL players at school. But but what's funny funny is what you're saying right now, because Mm -hmm. that's, that's the model that me and my wife are taking. You know, we aren't, we aren't putting him in daycare. He's getting raised by us. We don't want someone else to raise our child. Yeah. But the, the biggest thing is, is just having him around. Like my wife will put him, plop him right in front of her while she's working out. When I'm working out, she'll yeah. bring him in so he can see me work out. And like right now he's crawling around everywhere. So that's like his little workout right now. But um, the biggest thing is, is just having him get this exposure because I work with a lot of kids. I work with high school kids who, are, uh, who come to my facility. And the biggest thing that I notice with schools now is all the kids keep telling me mental health, mental health. And I'm like, okay, what does that tell me what mental health means? Because oh, good. I understand, mm-hmm. I understand if you are bipolar, you have, and I'm not pleased, nobody whoever's listened to this, I'm not saying there's no mental health issues or anything. There is. But what I'm saying is that when I talk to some of my kids, because a teacher, like say for instance, if a teacher said, hey, you have to do uh, your homework, they will claim mental health because they got, tasked with doing homework and it's too much. They want to be able to go uh, hang out with their friends versus doing homework. Whereas if someone has a real serious problem where they have massive depression or something where they want to commit suicide, I mean, that's going to be more of a serious mental health issue than, hey, uh, these kids, like I'm literally hearing, hearing from these kids, they'll just throw that out there so they can go home and not have to go to school. They'll mm-hmm. make things up and claim mental health or something like that just to uh, go home. But Here's a big thing. I don't know if you guys heard this, but Tom Izzo, Michigan State coach, he was just talking. Uh, Jawan Howard uh, from uh, Wisconsin, uh, uh, from Michigan, was facing off against Wisconsin. He punched one of the assistant coaches. This is a head coach punching an assistant coach. That I do not, I do not agree with at all. But what Tom Izzo said, because NCAA and them were thinking about getting rid of the uh, handshake after the game, Tom Izzo said. hear hear this hear this real quick this is how much softer society has gotten over the years beforehand if you got your ass kicked you had to be man enough to go down there and shake that man's hand and acknowledge that they kicked your ass because what when you lose when you learn how when you lose you eventually 
develop the aspects if you have the right coach to teach you how to win because you got to experience a loss to have that drive to want to win. But then they're trying to get rid of that handshake. But what Tom Izzo said is, look, man, we're already, we're already, if kids are not having a bad day, they they get to go home. I mean, it, we're, we're already making society softer for kids. Now you don't want a kid to go out and shake someone's hand after they get their head butt uh, or their butt kicked. That, what is happening with society? He's all, that's not going to happen here. We will continue to do the handshake because you got to give respect to the people who whooped your butt because not only that, it's just sportsmanship. So the assistant coach told the head coach, hey, we're not going to have them shake their hands. No, no. And the so head coach punched Juwan, him in the face, so, the assistant so coach Juwan in the face. Howard, Jawan Howard uh, and the Wisconsin coach were walking this way. Oh. So we, uh, uh, when they're walking in the handshake, uh, Jawan Howard was upset because of Wisconsin called a timeout. And oh. It seemed like they're running up the oh. score. Oh, and opposing by, coaches punched each other. Yeah. And by running up the score, he kind of got pissed off, and so he punched them. He got disciplined and got suspended for the remaining games, uh, for the remaining season. But yeah. what the whole purpose of Tom Izzo from the other, from Michigan State, not Michigan, he was just commenting saying that, really, we're going to start getting rid of this. I mean, we're already taking away all this stuff to teach our kids how to be strong, mentally strong. What are we doing? Just making our society weaker. Yeah. Hey, was that so? I made the assumption that it was a vo- to the handshake for being taken out to avoid spread of disease. Um, yeah, but but you're saying it's to avoid conflict. Yep. I have this. Uh, oh, look right oh, here. Is, is this look. it? So um, it, this should be the Wisconsin. No, wait, wait. Is who is that? Are, are those guys all on the same team right there? So, so it's a uh, no, not Tim. Uh, so look at Michigan brawl. Uh, no, no, no. Go back up to the top. Go put Jawan Howard. Put Jawan Howard, Michigan coach. Uh, punch. And then I have this good video clip that I want to play for you because this is what's happening um, with society today, and I want to really share this with you. Are you an affiliate still? Uh, as of now, no. But how, then how do you do the open at your gym? Do you, how do they submit their scores? So, so if you saw on the open, uh, all you have to do is have certified judges, and judges can certify. Uh, so if your people are oh, certified. Oh, that's cool. Okay, cool. Certify. So oh, it's bitching. like so, so my whole question was, why be a why be an affiliate if I have judges who can certify the other person? Because besides that, what else? I'm not trying to knock, but what else is? Uh, hey, dude. What else am I getting from CrossFit? Hey, dude, you're, you, yeah. And I'm not, I love CrossFit. I love, I love what. You don't appreciate them. You don't appreciate them firing your homeboy. No, no. What I love is I love the methodology of CrossFit that I do for my life and for my Right, right. Me too. Me too. Hey, listen, listen. I saw an L1 certificate yesterday. Yep. And they have fucking Eric Rosa sign those now because he's the CEO. So you get your L1 and the signature on the L1. I, I don't want to turn this into a hating session. I know you're a good dude. But that that shows fucking no fucking character. You are a fucking coward. You're signing your name on the L1 with the methodology that Greg Glassman fucking put together? How about fuck off? How about – it's fucking nuts. They, they're they're – uh, I've always been a huge supporter of the L1. I've told every single person from day one, if you it is the single best two days of your life, you have to take it. When I see stuff like that, I'm just like, just go get the fucking journal and read it. Go, go find an L1 trick. Go to Neil's gym and have him walk you through it. Were you ever on the L1 team, Neil? I was a, I was a red shirt. Uh, I was a red shirt uh, from uh, 2010, uh, late – no, sorry. Yeah, t- late 2010 all the way until about 2014. Did you like it? I loved, I loved being a red shirt. I loved everything that – so 
I'm an old school. Cro- I, I don't know if I'm an OG CrossFitter, if they consider me that or what, but I'm old school. So when I mean old school, 2008 or sorry, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, all the way up to about this, this, you know, this past year is just that the whole, how can I say it? I remember back in the day from 2010 to about 2016, I'd get a ton of people would come into the gym. I want to go to the CrossFit. Like it was on a daily basis, constantly people loving CrossFit. When CrossFit was at the StubHub Center, it was just a different vibe in California at it completely. Once it moved to Wisconsin, it kind of lost its flavor a little bit. And I'm not saying Wisconsin's bad, but Wisconsin, LA, just you can't compare the two. The StubHub Center you felt like you're in that event. When I was at Wisconsin, I mean, it was nice and stuff. It just wasn't, it didn't have that sports mega feel. That's why if you ever look at, you know, teams that are in big markets versus small markets, it's the same uh, thing. Uh, uh, you know, when you're in a big market, you draw more attention. When you're on ESPN, the worldwide sports provider, guess what? The number one network, not CBS Sports. It's, it's completely yeah. different. I yeah. mean, when it was on ESPN, everyone saw it. CBS Sports, I don't even know when the games are coming on. It's it's funny you say that. I was in uh, – oh, I want to say one thing to this guy real quick. Hey, dude, don't don't let me ruin – the L1's amazing. L1 dude, is off the hook. L1 it's off the hook. I'm so sorry. I, I, I see what Nicole Carroll and Dave and Greg built over there, insane. The, the people who run it, insane. I don't mean ever to shit on it at all. It's just a joke that he signs the cert. But you're going to have a blast. And the European uh, L1 trainers, the red shirts are – Incredible. They're, they're, they, they are basically all that's left of CrossFit, in my opinion. And, and so you're in good hands. Yeah. So there's still a lot of OGs on the staff and stuff. So yeah. the biggest thing that I'll say coming from another field and getting numerous certifications from National Strength and Conditioning Association to NASM and all that. And then I had all that prior to CrossFit. Once I got to CrossFit, I was like, all this stuff, I pushed it aside and I stuck with the CrossFit methodology because one, I got fitter than I've ever gotten before. I got stronger in a later age than I've ever gotten before. And just like everything in my life got better. And not only that, I'm in my 40s and I'm younger than I've ever been in, in my life, meaning that my joints are healthy. My body's healthy. I can squat. I could do all the stuff that most other people who do the traditional stuff, they could still do that, but it's just a little different. And so even the, even the level one versus those other, other certifications, I don't know if the, the other certifications have changed. But the level one is so like hands on. Just I just remember going to my first level one. Jason Khalifa was actually interning there. And uh, I mean, we had an all star cast. Dave Castro was there. Uh, I mean, Joey Gentry was there. Freddie Camacho was there. I'm talking old school. If you guys remember Miranda, old, like I'm talking old school people. And so Freddie Camacho, you still in contact with him? Yep. Yep. He's out in yeah. Hawaii right now. So I, I talked to him. They're, they're, they're good friends, man. Good friends. They're out in Maui. Um, so, so you, so you're doing the open there and, and so you, all you need is a certified judge and you just go take that course on the, um, okay. On on the website and, and do do your clients, is, is it like a big thing there at your gym? Like, do you, did you, did you guys watch the, um, announcement yesterday or, uh, I was too busy in here prepping for them and putting up like plastic inserts and stuff on the walls and all that. I did. I did not watch an open announcement. Instead, I went to K One Speed and was racing go karts with some of my clients. <laughs> oh, awesome! Awesome. A lot more hey, fun. I, I thought they said that they were going to use Dave Castro's workouts for the open this year. <laughs> I, 
Did you hear that, Sousa? That's what I I thought. And then when I, and I, so I saw, I, I, when it came out, um, the workout came out, I text Dave, I said, is this your workout? And he, he, was being a bit coy at first and cause like he didn't even know what was going on. And I think he was doing, I think he was actually out in the field yesterday doing some long range shooting. And then, um, I said, I sent him the workout or someone sent him the workout and he said, no, that's not my workout. I'm like, that's not what you program. Yeah, they did. Okay. So that's interesting. That's, that's very interesting that they would claim that they use Dave's workout then not use Dave's workout, right. but then not tell us they're not using Dave's workout. And I know at first I know a lot of people are like, well, you're just being petty. It's just a workout. It really isn't petty. It, it, well, it's like saying it's like going to the if you went to the Louvre in France and you spent um, uh, two thousand dollars going to France, staying in a hotel, you waited in line to go into the um, uh, um, uh, museum, uh, the Louvre of uh, uh, for three hours. You spent uh, six hundred dollars for your family to get in there. You you stare at the Mona Lisa for thirty minutes and you leave and you fly back to the United States and then you find out Mona Lu, Mona Lisa and Louvre for last five years has been a fake. Real Mona Lisa is in and they tell you where it is. You'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Even though it means like, but this is more profound than that actually, because here's what concerns me. These pieces are put together. Dave's not like week one's going to be this, week two is going to be this, week three is going to be this, and then semifinal, quarterfinals, semifinals game. No, the whole thing is a puzzle. For those of you who don't know, it's a whole puzzle he puts together. And I get, I wonder if it fucked up week two and week three. I want, I, I wonder if they changed week two and week three. And but it's it's just consistent with just the the lies coming out of that place, the stuff that they tell you that they're doing that they're not doing. There's, there's no integrity coming out of there from the leadership. Yeah. It's, it's gross. What it's leadership? so it's like, yeah, it's like, dude, just a, like, that's why we like Dave so much. He had so much fucking integrity and, and it's the opposite now. It's the so, opposite. So one thing I still love what you talked about, Savon, when you're talking to um, Chris Cooper and you said on that um, on his podcast, can you repeat what you're talking about with the Hell's Angels part? That whole oh, I yeah, well, because you you say it's so good, and I just remember when I was out to dinner with you guys, and that just like hit home base so much. I love that saying you said. Basically, CrossFit is a movement. It's an ideology, and then slowly it turned into an activist organization as as Big Soda and Big Pharma started infiltrating the health sciences and started saying stuff about uh, the um, uh, physiology and that you could work off of Coca-Cola. Basically, it, we started fighting with them. But basically, it's a lifestyle, an ideology, and a cult. It doesn't produce anything. All it sells is personal responsibility and personal accountability, and, and it's these clubhouses where all of us huddle together and judge each other for the better good. So now, remember your comparison? Yes. We are the Hell's Angels. That's what the Hell's Angels are. We're a gang. We hang out together so that we all feel comfortable. We hang out together. But and but but when the owners bought CrossFit, they thought they were buying Harley Davidson. They thought they were buying a motorcycle manufacturing plant. You did not buy a motorcycle manufacturing plant. And they're still walking around. And instead of realizing, holy shit, we didn't buy a motorcycle manufacturing plant, they're trying to build motorcycles now. They're trying to sell bullshit like like supplements and whoopies. And uh, and, 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 and Greg was trying to push doctors, trying to invite doctors into the gym so they could realize that CrossFit is the cure. They're inviting doctors in to fucking prescribe medicine to the clients. It's like everything yeah. they're doing is fucking 
backwards from what CrossFit is. But don't worry. Craig Ritchie says everything's fine. It won't affect what you're doing in your gym. And Eric Rose has been promoted to the board. He's chairman of the board. Eric, I can't fucking believe these. these. And I use this in the most clinical sense ever. You are a fucking retard, Craig, for going on to Google and reading what chair, what uh, chairman of the board is and then saying that's what happened to Rosa. You don't like – and then you call your show the news. It's called it, – why don't you call your show I'm a fucking idiot? I'm not, I'm not even trying to be mean to Craig Ritchie. I like him. I'm just saying what he does on his show. That there's you, you're you're the, the sun is out and you're talking you're and you're telling us the moon is out. We can see what happened, dude. <laughs> you just don't understand corporate structure. Yeah, you just don't understand corporate structure. Eric Rosa has been promoted to chairman. Dude, you think the guy at Peloton who just had to fire twenty eight hundred employees and got removed from CEO and he's chairman of the board? You think he's in charge too? You fucking knucklehead. These guys should have their anyway. I'm yeah, glad you guys – but it's I content can't. for me, though. It's content for yeah. me. I tried not to – I really don't want to hate on those guys, the, the, yeah, the, the retard crew, but you're me just so stupid. Me personally, I cannot speak on anybody in CrossFit yes. or anybody individually. All only person I can speak on is myself. So Please. I take responsibility for myself. Then you're never going to make it in the podcast game then. I do not speak <laughs> on I just don't speak on anyone else. It's just you're a good dude. It's not, it's not my focus. My focus is my family, my son, yes. my gym, and the people that I work with, and my friends. And uh, besides that, I mean, there's right now. Well, you have good parents. Did your parents raise you like that? Yeah. Saban, I had one parent. Oh, I had one did you, mom. Did, did, I had one mom. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you. My mom raised me in a household. We didn't have too much. We didn't have a lot at all. And she just raised us with love. And that's the biggest thing. I just look at what's going on in the world today. I mean, my son is, I mean, look, look what's happening over at, in, in Ukraine. I mean, that stuff, I mean, people need to be away, uh, uh, awake and aware of what's happening. It's sad what's happening right now. What's happening in the world is just sad all around. I'm in San Jose. I've seen the homeless population quadruple. Yeah. Every yeah. single year, it just keeps going up. It's you sad. mean the drug addict population. You mean the drug addict population. Drug addict population. But here's the thing. For as many drug drug addicts out there, there's people, there's mothers who are helpless with their families who are getting put out because they can't afford rent. How do I know? My mom was one of those moms when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I think I told you about this, Yvonne. No one knows this. We lived in hotels. We lived in cars. I didn't have stuff. You slept in cars at night as a kid. Yes, as a kid. Yeah, that's fucking tough. And And then you go to school and you go to school and then you go to school. And, And my mom would take me to school. And when you had, you know, I don't. Like I said, my mom did the best she could with five children. She had five children. The men were shit in her life, and uh, she did the best. You know, my mom kind of got disowned for having us, you know, kids who are, you know, mixed because she came from an Italian family. And when you're an Italian family, you know, they want to eat the same. And so it took years for my grandfather to finally accept my mom and bring her back. But, you know, there, there's, you know, there's that conflict. So when we're out, we didn't have any help. We didn't have aunts, uncles, grandparents. And it was just my mom, my brothers and sisters. And that's all we had. We had each other. So my mom told us, you know, we may not have all the money in the world, but the thing that we do have is love. So that's the number one thing that I know that I have. And that's what I try to do is I try to share the love. A lot of people see my exterior here and are like, oh, no, Neil's mean. He's this. No, I just guard myself because I know how shitty people can be in life. Yeah. I grew up around a lot of scum. And when I mean scum, fucking drug addicts, gangsters, people who fucking kill people. That's the thing. That's my background. I don't share it with people, but that's what I do. I grew up in Hunter's Point in the hood. Oh, my goodness. You grew up in Hunter's Point? 
but well before Hunter's Point is where it is now. Hunter's Point. Well, now, I know. I remember Hunter's Point yeah. in ninety. I had a I had a girlfriend there. It was scary. Fuck. Yeah. I want you to think, want you to think 60s, 70s, 80s when the heroin epidemic was at its height. If you want to watch, if you don't know what it's about, watch American Gangster. They talk uh, with uh, Denzel Washington. They talk about that how the drugs went from New York City to San Francisco. But guess what? All the drugs ended up in the hoods. Why? It's not mm-hmm. going to end up in the rich areas. It's going to end up in the hoods because in order for there to be a rich, there has to be a poor. Who's going to be suppressed? They have to make sure that they have people who are down underneath in order for the prosper prosperous people to keep prospering. And so, you know, life is, uh, you know, we all have been dealt life, but you want to know something? I wouldn't change my life for anything because it's made me the man who I am. And it's taught me so much that I get to share with my son. You know, for instance, I see a lot of people and I'm very happy for these people that they're fortunate to be able to provide for their kids. But sometimes they over provide for their kids that their kids become so dependent that they don't even know how to be their own man or be their own woman, like be their own self, that they're so mm-hmm. dependent on their families, even past the age of 20, 30, so on. And whereas I learned independence at such a young age that and I, and please don't take this. I'm not saying I'm better than anyone. I'm just saying I'm speaking for myself. I just learned stuff at a young age that taught me how to be a man at a younger age and quicker and taught me how to work and just taught me how to put my head down when times get tough and grind it out. And so going back to my original story with people being homeless and all that stuff. So what I decided to do this past year is I decided to do a little bit of fundraiser. But not only that, I put in a lot of my money, too. And I went out and I bought families food. And oh, I, I love it that you said families and not, and not just and not just homeless people, because I was homeless for a while, too. And, yeah. and my and I didn't I'm not with the families, though. I was homeless with like dudes and yeah. all those motherfuckers. It was just me and one other dude I'd see occasionally, some old man. And we were the only ones who weren't drug addicts. Yeah. But but so, you're right. The, I do see the families like pulling up to McDonald's in their cars at, 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 you know, when I was homeless, like four or five in the morning. And they would be like the mom and the two kids and they'd have the car running and they'd be asleep in there. I, I yep. you know, I've, I've seen a bunch of that, man. You know how cold it is to sleep in a car. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's cold. Even if you have blankets and stuff, it is freaking cold. So we used to have to huddle up with each other and all that. But back to my point with feeding families, I teamed up with Catholic charities and I just went out. I literally drove out before Thanksgiving and drove to people's homes. And believe it or not, I thought, you know, I wanted single mothers with uh, children to feed, but you know, they gave me some other people. I was surprised at how many people who were like elders, you know, people were in their 60 plus that I brought food to. I went to Whole Foods, bought a ton of like turkey dinners and all that stuff and went and delivered it to people. I spent basically that whole day delivering food with my wife and my son. My son was still a baby, baby, little infant. Well, he still is an infant, but he was a little uh, infant inside his car seat. We're delivering food, but that was the best feeling that I've ever gotten just to be able to do that because of the simple fact that I felt like for the first time in my life, I'm able to contribute and really give back and really make a difference in someone's life. Yeah, that's awesome. You're making a difference in people's lives every day having that gym. Um, Is is your mom still alive, Neil? So, story, yeah. Uh, My mom's still alive. Um, We had a scare yesterday. She was in the emergency. Uh, My mom, um, so my mom has been fighting lung cancer for years now. Um, Was she a smoker? She was a smoker for many years. So, quick quick little story and then I'll I'll please. The story is um, when I got into CrossFit, Dave Castro is the one who got me in pretty much. I went to the ranch, found out about CrossFit, but how I became affiliate was Dave Castro. 
he got me to become an affiliate and then I ended up getting you know, got me to become a, a level one instructor and all that. So, you know, I take my hat off to Dave Castro. I have a lot of respect for him because he got me. What do you mean? He got, what do you mean? He got you to be a level one instructor. He, he's like, he's like, Hey, you should try out for the, he saw the way you were, so, your so behavior, your demeanor and so, said, you should so, be a red shirt. So in 2009, when I first met Dave, I was, uh, I was at the ranch, but then I went back and volunteered as a judge. And I'll never forget him and, Dave, uh, him and Greg Glassman were walking by me. It was a final event. And I told Greg, I'm all, I stopped by, got to meet Greg and I'm all, Hey, I will be at the games next year. I will be competing. And Greg looked me in the eyes and he said, yes, you will be. I've never had a bad experience with Greg. I've never been discriminated on. So I don't know what anyone else's uh, situation has been. I've never had a bad experience with them, but you know, I just, I was never, 2009 at the CrossFit games at the ranch. 2009 at the CrossFit games, but I don't know what everyone else's experience has been, but I've never had a bad experience with him. And then that following year, uh, I made it to the games and that's when I was talking to them. And that's when Dave, uh, you know, conv convinced me and got me to become an affiliate. And then also, uh, you know, I was talking to him about a red shirt because I started, uh, you know, me and Jason Kalipa started uh, hanging out and teaming up to start training together. And that's when we started our whole bunch. It was uh, me and Jason started off. I was at a level one and I it was talking to Jason and I saw that he was an instructor now because when I took my level one, he was an um, intern. And I was like, hmm. I'm interested. Talk to Dave. He got me to go through the process to become a level one. But that's where we started that whole team training where it was me and Jason. Then Garrett came on. Then Miranda came on. Then uh, then um, Pat Barber. And we just had a, a team of people who just started, you know, training together to compete. But anyways, fast forward now. When Dave Pat would drive over the hill to train with you guys. Well, actually, uh, Pat lived in San Jose for a while. Oh, OK. Um, I, I, well, I saw I, Pat two days ago. I think he did. I'm not too, I'm not too sure. But this is when, uh, when he had, uh, uh, when um, Jason had his uh, CrossFit gym downtown San Jose. This is like, this is old school, old school, old school, old school. Okay. Not when he mm -hmm. ended up opening up the and, and, boxes. And was BG Bing coaching you guys then? Who? Austin BG Bing was he coaching you guys? Uh, Austin was not coaching me at all. He coached okay. Jason, but when me and Jason teamed up, we didn't have Austin with us. He wasn't okay. coaching me. I know you're in the middle of the story, but I got another question too. Sorry. Um, I think Jason told me that you were that you were basically unbeatable in training too. That basically, like, you trained like a fucking complete savage. He had never, and, and that's kind of crazy coming from Jason, who has such an insane games career. He said you were just fucking nuts in training. So he said it was like almost scary. So this is the thing that I found out about myself, and I found it out many years later. Um, you know. When I'd go into training, you know, I had a mindset. I, I wasn't in front of people. I, I just, I was, I was turned on and I was focused and I was just going. There's, there's just one thing. It was me in the bar or whatever I had to uh, face. And whenever I trained, I was at my ultimate confidence. But yet, as soon as I'd go to the games, and this is where, you know, where Dave Castro was really good. He would mind fuck you with some type of workout or something like that. And then that would, I'd let, and, and I said that I was mentally prepped, but I wasn't. It took me years to figure it out. But I let one event dictate my whole games mm. because I know when you're at the games, you got to be – you get rewarded for consistency. When you're inconsistent and you get hit with the, with the inconsistent placing, bad placings, that can cost you. 
And when I'm going up against the best in the world, when you have a Jason Kalipa, you have a Rich Frown, you have the top of the top, you know, you can't, you can't afford to have fuck-ups. You can't. You got to stay consistent. And so what would happen was from my training, I, I went back. And so when I, what really got me to really dive into my career and say, what was it that was, I, I, I had to ask myself better questions. I wasn't asking myself the questions that I needed to ask to figure out, to get the answers that I needed to correct my training, to get, my, get myself to become, uh, be one of the people on the podium. Because like I said, I've, I've trained with a lot of guys and I started CrossFit at 32 years old. So when I came into CrossFit, I was 32 years old. I didn't come in at 20 something years old, like a lot of these other guys. Oh yeah. There's the old school box right there. There's the, <laughs> the old school right there. You're bringing back some memories right there, man. But, uh, but basically what I, I found out was I started watching, what was it that made rich rounding what made uh you know jason what made a lot of these guys and what i realized is that they had a great support system and when i mean support system from their families they had their uh, mother and dad around them they had yeah. that and so what i realized after crossfit man jason's got some loving parents yep. doesn't he holy yep. shit his parents but are loving what i realized after that was i had to do some serious soul searching and i had to do some serious digging with myself and i had to clean up past stuff before I could move forward because I wasn't mentally connected. I had different issues that I was dealing with that made me lack confidence when I needed that confidence. For instance, I was deaf until the age of nine. And so when I was deaf until the age of nine and getting held back in certain things, it messed with my, um, I wouldn't, I don't want to say necessarily say ego, but it messed with, um, yeah, yeah. Your confidence. Yeah, you're so, always trying to avoid shit, right? When, yeah, when you so, can't hear, you can't see. And so when I'd go into, when I went into the competition, I didn't realize, like I said, I didn't realize all this stuff until I got hurt in 2015 after that, you know, sting and tearing my growing in the games on that same leg where I got that sting that I had to really do some serious soul searching and, you know, I had to dig. But I'll tell you one thing, my wife, the, the woman that I chose to marry, her family helped change a lot of that stuff for me. You know, they became the family that I never had. Meaning like, you know, my mom was always there, but my mom was too sick to ever travel to my games and all that stuff. And this is why I brought up this story because when Castro got me in and made me affiliate one year, when I thought I was going to lose my mom, he got my mom to go to the games and got her to go in his box and hang out there because she has some serious medical, <laughs> medical conditions. Oh, God. And that's where, like I said, I have so much respect and I love the dude because like a lot of people just see him on, you know, whatever he posts and all that stuff. But if you really get to know him and know who he is and stuff, you realize he's a very down to earth dude and he has a big heart. And so that's the biggest thing. That, that's why I brought up this story is because he made a dream come true for me. And I'll never forget. There was one game. I forgot what year the games was when they had that the clean ladder or the clean ladder where you had to rotate and you, and I, I won that event at like a 365 lift at that time. It was big. This, you know, now guys are lifting a lot more than that and great for them. But I was down, uh, 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 down underneath and, you know, I was at the games. I was by myself. I had some friends there, but I didn't have any really true support. And I'll never forget. I go downstairs and I'm literally in the tennis stadium, in the locker room downstairs, talking to my mom. And I just was just talking to her and I was just like, mom, these games are just not going the way that I wanted to. You know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I fucked up on some events. What's going on? 
my mom told me one key thing and I'll never forget it. And I went out and I won that event for her. And she just said one thing. She just said there, she's all son. She's all, she's all, I know you've been through a lot. She's all keep your head up, but I'm praying for you because something good is going to happen for you right now. I, I know in my heart, but something really big is going to happen for you right now. You're going to have an amazing time this next event. And I just sat there and I was just, I listened to everything that she said. I had some tears coming out because, you know, like I said, you know, I was a mama's boy. I love my mom. And so I went out there and I'll never forget, you know, I went out there and I just erased all doubt. And I just thought about my mom the whole time. And <laughs> believe it or not, I cleared that ladder, almost went over, won that event, you know, and then the games, whatever happened. Damn. But that one event just showed me how important it is to have the support system. And so, yeah, here's this lift. I'll never forget this, man. This is, I caught Just that. so you know, people, that stadium is so loud. You can't even it hear was in ugly there. And it was packed. It was, that's an ugly lift and it was packed and I was really banged up and injured. But that one event, uh, you know, I, well, let's get back to 2015 after I got hurt. I got to go back and I got to study all my previous events that I did well at and all my previous events that I sucked at. And what I did was I asked myself, what were the thoughts or the question, or what were the thoughts that were running through my mind when I failed at events? And I wrote it down a list of all the stuff that was happening to me and the things that I was going through that were causing me to feel certain ways that would get me to underperform. And when I went into the masters, I, you know, dialed it back down. And like I said, my wife and her family support, and then the support of my, you know, my kids and stuff like that. I just went out there and, uh, I used all that experience and, uh, I just didn't look back and I ended up taking the, the master's division. I beat Sean Ramirez that year in that, in the masters. And, um, you know, I know it's not the open, so it didn't really give me the joy that I wanted. It felt like I was playing triple a versus, uh, the uh major leagues baseball please master athletes don't take it personal i take don't take it personal you bitches no 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 <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't competed in the open division when i mean in the open when you're out there on the floor with the big dogs when i mean the big dogs you're oh look at you and kyle Woo. <laughs> the open announcement i remember that uh hey, that dude, kyle's a scary athlete isn't he yeah he's a very scary athlete but man i ain't gonna lie I wasn't so uh, when I was when I competed against Kyle the year before I was coming off a of surgery on my foot so I wasn't 100% when I competed him uh, competed against him and so I wanted that open announcement so badly because of the simple fact that he, he kicked my ass in the uh, in, in the 35 to 39 division I took second to him but I wanted that open announcement so that the following year Dave uh, set up that open announcement and we went head to head and. Uh, I edged him out, but he's a great athlete. He's a great. Yeah, he probably thinks you're scary too. If I said that to him, <laughs> man, you guys are something special. I mean, the dude, he's a beast. You know, he's a beast. He's a, he's a proven champion. But like I said, with the open good division, mindset too, right? Isn't that interesting? Yep. Great mindset. Great mindset. Now, the open division, like I said, has no comparison to the. I mean, the Masters. Like I said, it's like it's going from playing majors, the major league baseball, to Triple A. You know. I mean, when you're looking down the line, you have Chris Beeler, Matt Chan, Rich Frown, and Matt. I mean, you have all these guys that you're competing against. You don't get that in the Masters. I mean, you do have, don't get me wrong, you got some beasts in the Masters, but these guys are the ultimate beasts when you're in the open. I mean, when you, I mean, these guys are putting up the top 
times in the world and they're lifting some of the heaviest weights. So it, that's the only difference for me is that when I went to the masters, it, it just didn't have the same effect because when you see their ceremony and then you see the master's ceremony, you're like, Oh, we got to share the platform. And then their ceremony is like, woo, the Olympics, beautiful and stuff. It's like, it's just, it's not the same. And so to me, that's why I retired because it just wasn't the same. I wanted the feeling to win the, the open division. Um, not, you know, the masters, it was great, but the open division is what I competed for. That's why I retired because of the simple fact that my abilities were leaving my body due to the fact that father time was taking them. And at the same time, uh, you know, it has to create the stage for the next act. And that's the young up and coming stars who are killing it in the games today. Yeah. Uh, on a quick side note, um, this is the kind of coffee I drink, Paper Street Coffee, and they sent me this mug, and, and my mug's falling apart. Oh, man. Oh, I think man. I, he got this from Yeti, so Yeti's customized mug is, like, falling apart. Paper Street oh, Coffee, wow. thank you very much. Yeah, great coffee, by the so, way. Insane something, coffee. Something that I talked about earlier that I Please. wanted to play for you, that I wanted to play for you, and I was just talking yes. about, I do believe in mental health. I do believe that there are mental health issues out there and all that stuff, but I believe that sometimes some people abuse that abuse it. Okay. Yes. Now there's a thing that I'm going to play for you right now that I think this is what is happening in society. The U S has had some strong times for many, many, many years, but let me play this real quick. And I want to see, I want you to hear this real fast. I'm going to just play this. Sorry okay. if you guys can't see it, but here, let me play this. Do you want, is it on the internet? Maybe Susan. Right, can here, watch. Listen. So what? Let me, my son is in a Mercedes. I'm going to rewind it one more time. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. Yep. Right there. My grandfather walked 10 miles to work every day. My father walked five. I'm driving a Cadillac. My son is in a Mercedes. He said my grandson will be in a Ferrari. He said my great-grandson walking again. So I asked him, I said, well, why is that? And he said to me, tough times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create tough times. Said to me, many will not understand, but you have to raise words. So when I hear that, that's what I think that's happening in society today, is that we had such strong times. And remember, strong times create weak men. And I'm not saying people are weak out there, but when I look at the, the youth that I'm working with, when I'm talking to them, they don't even look you in the eye. They'll look down and it's like, I'm like, hey, eye contact. You know, I'm all whenever you're talking to someone, the biggest sign of the biggest way you can show someone respect is giving them eye contact. We have kids today who are behind computers who are just stuck on computers and don't even know how to interact with people. Yeah, I, yep. I don't want my son to ever be like that. I do not want my son to sit behind a desk for four, 12 hours a day and not have no type of physical activity. You know, the physical activity, I believe, really strengthens the kid, gives them the confidence. Not only that, gives them the mental fortitude to go out there to achieve. And so I wanted to share that with you because I think that it's very important. And I think that we have to really, very important. really invest in our youth. That's why when I see what you're doing with your boys, I love it. I mean, it, it, it gives me so, mo so much motivation and so much drive because it's like, you know, you, you have such an impact on them and I see how much you've developed them. And I'm just like, damn, Savon, you are a great dad. I mean, I don't, you know, from the workings that I see on the video, I love everything that I see. And that's, that's what I, from what I see, that's what I think.
So Neil, I've Neil, I've never ever in my life um felt like I was anything. Like I made 10 movies, directed and produced more than 10 movies. I would have never I never would call myself a producer or director. I never introduced myself, never had that on my Instagram profile, never put it on my resume. I just I, I just don't feel like it. I never felt like anything. The second I had a kid, I was like, motherfucker, I'm a dad. Like, holy shit i'm a dad and i was like i'm a, like and to this day so i woke up this morning and my son goes where are you going i go podcast he goes why are you doing that he goes you don't like doing that i go i love doing that he goes you don't love doing that more than you love me i said not not even close and my other and my other two sons are like cheering yeah you love us more i'm like yeah i love you more i'll be done in two hours you guys will have the go cook some bacon for me when i'm done with the podcast we'll eat a big old bowl of bacon together and they got all excited yeah there's nothing i've never felt and 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 what's amazing what's kind of crazy too is, is i really do feel like a podcaster too for the first i'm 49 years old and for the first time in my life i was like wow i can actually like um those two things, like I can fake, I can trick myself into believing I am those things. Like it just feels so, I'm just embodying them. Like my whole life is either making this show work or or raising my sons. I don't even, I don't even know, maybe I'm lying to myself, but I don't, when people say, I just be present for your kids. I don't even know what that means because I don't even think I know what the opposite means. I don't know how I would not be present for my son. If I'm, if I'm looking at my phone and my son interrupts me. I either put my phone down or I go, yo, can't you see I'm using my phone? What's wrong with you? You know, like, I'm like, like, I don't know any other way to be besides present. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not not like, they're awesome. Yeah. I, I, when you were saying you were, you you have your son with you when you work out. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, When you, when you, when the clock's going and you're doing Fran, and you care about your time, but in between you go from the bar to the pull-up bar, you stop and kiss your son. You have this out-of-body experience like, holy shit. Yeah. Who is this guy who doesn't care that he just lost five seconds? For me, it was like a, I would get a brand-new camera, state-of-the-art. I've been waiting six months for it. The box shows up on the counter, and my wife's like, oh, you got mail. And I'll be like, oh, cool. And I go play with my kids for two hours, and, I, and then I fall asleep with them, and I wake up in the morning. I haven't opened my camera. Cameras are my li- – I love cameras. But I didn't even th- – I like, fuck you. I don't – like – like and it's like that with me in the gym now too. Although I try like to draw um like really strong boundaries with them so they can learn when I'm working out, yep. I'm working out. You can come in there, but you better not talk to me like this is because I want them to learn from that behavior. But like if I hear like, yo, I need help wiping my ass, I'll more than gladly <laughs> stop working out and run in the house and wipe someone's ass. Like I love I love wiping your ass. I, I it's a small window I'm gonna get to wipe your ass. You know what I mean? It's exactly. like yeah, let me hook a brother up. You know, like it's like for you anytime so you want. One thing that we've been doing a lot. Well, we well when my son was younger, we'll try to go out for hikes. We try to get outdoors with him too, because yeah. I want him to. I want him to know the hills. I love the mountains. I love the mountains. I love going out there. Matter of fact, Savon, I still want to know if you want to do Mount Shasta. Oh, so anyone, anybody, anybody, <laughs> guys, if you guys are on here listening, I I told Savon we're actually in June, so it's funny. We're all sitting down at dinner and. uh Dave was talking about how he's going to do a 50 mile ruck, uh, ruck, uh, fasted. And so I was like, Oh, that's cool. Well, guess what? I'm going to be doing Shasta. And he's all, my cousin, it lives over at Shasta has done Shasta numerous times. And I was like, awesome. So he linked me up with his cousin 
Brian. And so we're supposed to do Shasta in either June, July. We haven't figured it out. And so right then and there, I asked Saban and Dave if they're interested. I text Dave just last week and I was waiting to talk to you, Saban. But Dave said once he let me give him the dates and he'll try to figure it out to make it. But Saban, what's up, man? Shasta, we could do it. It's a weekend, just a Friday, Saturday or Saturday, Sunday. We hit it. Get out. Hey, I want to I want to paint a picture for you real quick, and this is just me being completely avoiding you talking about hiding hiking. By the way, Neil's probably going to do that with Dave's cousin. By the way, Dave Castro's cousin. I'm that not probably, I am going to. You do are, that. yeah, okay. So that that's interesting. That's a whole nother story. We could do a whole nother podcast. I want I want you to look at something real quick, and I can make this picture really really big. But um, when when I was a kid, my parents divorced. My I come from Armenian immigrants on my dad's side. My mom's first generation. I moved when my parents divorced. I moved into a neighborhood, uh, uh, all all super crazy white neighborhood. It was basically the hub for the hell's angels um there was meth being sold on my street crazy shit dudes with motorcycles driving across my lawn like it was fucking it was the wild west it was in a town called pacheco california outside of the county seat which is martinez then at the age of 16 my mom kicked me out of there and i moved into a neighborhood where i was the only white person and i was (laughs) and i was an all-black neighborhood except for the chinese guy who sold heroin and it was fucking nuts right you have neil maddox who grew up in hunter's point if you don't know hunter's point is um when i had a girlfriend who lived there i don't ever remember seeing any white people when i was there i had a girlfriend there and one time i pulled up in front of her house and i got out of my truck and when i went to the door and came back there were dudes rolling up with a car jack to steal my rims i'd only been there two fucking minutes and they tried to like steal it in front of me like while one dude talked to me they're trying to jack my shit up. I, I'd like literally jump in and drive away. Like just fucking it's nuts. So, Broad you know, daylight shit. No one gives a fuck. Like the cops aren't even going to do nothing. Cops don't go there. So what's funny, Savon, is how you, uh, what you brought up. It's kind of funny. Mine is just, I'm, I'm like you, but just on the other side, uh, like growing up, you went from all, all black to all white. white. It, so I was predominantly, it was all black and it was a lot of heroin and co- uh, co- uh, crack that was getting sold out there. And my mom moved us to San Jose. When she moved us to San Jose, we moved into predominantly, it was all Mexican American. So I was the only like, like mixed race kid there. And so I'd get jumped by either the Norteños or the Sereños because I wasn't part of the gang. And so, right. you know, the, the Norteños are more of like your Mexican-Americans and your Sedeños are typically a lot of them who come from uh, Mexico who are like uh, S13, things of that sort, if you guys aren't familiar with gangs. But I grew up in gangsters in, in, in the hood. So the hood that I grew up in, I had to start hanging out with gangsters and I had to claim a side. If I didn't claim a side, I was, I was getting attacked by both sides. So when I claimed a side, then I wasn't getting attacked. But then – sports if it wasn't for sports pulling me out of that yes think about me hanging out with gangsters being riding a skateboard and then i'd carry a bat in my backpack like casey jones from the ninja turtles um right i I get it then you have dave castro who is literally like if you saw where dave was raised you wouldn't fucking believe it he was raised in the center of what neil just said is uh the norteños and 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 what serenos whatever their name is country there were he grew up in steinbeck country it's all fucking mexicans he lived in this corridor of meth alley it was fucking insane it's just hardcore fucking hell's angels and hardcore gangster mexicans 
And Dave, it's not my place to say, but Dave had a fucking some crazy, crazy intimate shit happen with him. Then you have Greg Glassman, who founded CrossFit, who was diagnosed with polio and had a crazy fucking abusive, hard childhood of fucking nuts, 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 nuts. And, and I could go on and on and tell you these these were the people who were in charge of CrossFit. Now you have, and like, and like, I don't, I don't, I, you will not find more people who want to, uh, there's a, spe- there is a reason why Neil and um, Dave get along and, 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 and Dave and, and other people don't get along with Dave, like Dave and Fikowski don't get along or Dave and Belner. There's a reason for that. And you have to ask yourself that. Why is that? But you had these people who built this thing, who had incredible hardship. There would be no one who would go out of their way more for someone. Um, uh, Greg would go out of his way for gay people, black people, anyone he felt that was threatened at all. Why? Because he was threatened his whole fucking life as the six-year-old kid who limped that all the other kids beat the shit out of. And same with fucking Dave. Not so much me. I just like gay people because I was raised in the Bay Area and they know how to party. But – and I, and, I, and I like black girls, but um, uh, other than that, like I, you, but none of those things were done for that. Like none of those, like, like um, Greg didn't help black people, or gay people because they were black or gay. He helped them because he knew he had this, he has this pathology where he was picked on and it's his way of saying, fuck you to the world. Dave and Neil get along because they both had, they, they're, they know how to communicate without talking. They could grunt at each other. I just had dinner with them. Like they're, they're obviously more mature men and now they, they speak, but in those younger days when we were all young men, it was weird. It was weird. And, uh, he had a greater bond with Neil than he did with some of the Navy SEALs who competed at the games. And, uh, and there wasn't a lot of words said, there was a lot of just unspoken understanding. And it's just crazy to me now to this, the horse shit that people fucking believe the yeah. horse shit that people fucking believe. And don't forget it was Dave who wore the gay pride shirt at the games that one year. No one told him to do that. He didn't do that because he was trying to be fuck virtue signal or anything. Yep. Right. He fought for this fucking country. Anyway, I just, I just like, I don't want to say, like, I don't want to bolster those people by saying, look, we're more, we're more uh, open than you. No, like, it's not that we're more open or closing. We don't do it for those reasons. It's more like um, game recognized game. Like, we're good, fuck, it's good, it was good fucking people doing it for the right fucking reasons. Not to, not, not to put your fucking BLM or LGBTQ flag on your, on your, on your garage door so that like everything's cool. Like, you know, uh, I mean, it just, instance, it just annoys the shit out of me as I sit here and talk to you and think about the old days like that. You know, I mean, for instance, what I've learned in, in uh, you know, in my later years in life is that, you know, there, there's there's problems. There's problems arising everywhere. Right. Everyone can bring up a problem. But what I learned is that if I don't have a solution for a problem, why am I going to bring up the problem until I could come up with a solution? Then I should bring up the problem because mm. I'm just bringing up everyone brings up problems. But if we have problems everywhere and no solutions, all we have is fucking problems. And so that's why, you know, whenever there's a situation where there's a problem, I try to find if, find out if I have a solution or if I could find a solution to solve the problem. And if I can't, I go out and I try to seek others who can do so. And by doing that, then I can raise the issue on the problem because I have a solution to solve that problem. But like, like I said today, I just think, um, you know, a lot of people are bringing up issues and problems without the solutions and, uh, you know, 
when I go back to my, my childhood, you know, there's a bunch of problems and the, the solution was sports for me that got mm. me to get away from those problems that got me to get away from the drugs, get, uh, the gangs. I didn't do the drugs, but I, I had friends who would go down to seventh street and sell fucking crack. Excuse my language. Yeah. Crack. Guess what? It, 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 the methamphetamines were very big, uh, that, uh, crack. And then have you ever heard of crank? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I dabbled in crank. So, so crank, crank is basically just dirty meth, right? Yeah. So basically it's so like the crank, pink so shit. When I was growing up, the gangsters and stuff. So the, 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 well, the gangsters that I was around and all that, that's what they did is they sold crank. They sold that stuff. Is that what it is? It's just dirty meth. It's like there's Coke and there's meth and then there's, I don't, I was a kid. I don't like, like, you know, the shit when I was exposed, I was exposed to this stuff at such a young age. I mean, I mean, I, I, did you, did you ever do drugs, Neil? Uh, I didn't, I saw what it did to my family and Mm -hmm. I never wanted that to happen to me. I saw like I had family members die. I've seen people overdose. I did not want any of that shit in my life at all. And so I stayed as far away from that shit as I possibly could because I saw what it can do. I see what it does to my little brother. My little brother, you know, I love him. You know, however, our relationship has been strained because I've tried to help him numerous times and he has an addiction to methamphetamines and he's an alcoholic. I've tried to help him numerous times, but if you don't want to help yourself, you can't help them. But here's the thing with addicts, and this is what people have to understand, it, especially with addicts. Once my, this is going to be very hard for me to say, but my mom, very hard for me to say, my mom had a, a, um, a drug problem. I do not knock her for that. Um, she provided, this is the thing, even though she had a drug problem, she did whatever she could. If we needed something, she went out and tried to hustle, to do whatever we could. Anything that I needed, she did. I mean, even though it wasn't the best, she hustled. So I do not want to take anything away from her. But there are some drugs issues. And here's the thing that a lot of people have to understand. With, with, with heroin or any of those type of drugs, when you do it a couple of times or that one time or a couple of times and you get it into your system – that addiction, once you become addicted to that, that addiction is always there for the rest of your life. Sure you fucking is. Sure you fucking have to is. Find different areas to focus on because if you don't focus on that, you go back to that addiction, that shit will take your life. And yeah. I watched my mom go through an addiction and get off get off of it to get on the government addiction. So if you're if you did heroin, what they do now is they send you to methadone clinics. Crazy. So we don't want you getting high off the street drugs. We're going to get you high off of our drugs. And that's what our government does. You go to San Francisco, they fucking provide shelters for you to do drugs. It's like, what the hell? You go to the Philippines, you, do, you get caught doing drugs, they kill your ass. You're dead or you're going to jail. It's like, I do not promote drugs at all. But being in a, a being, growing up and being in a neighborhood and seeing how easily... I was a kid. I can get it. And then growing up and then having a kid of my own and then my daughter. So my daughter uh, and my daughter and her mother live in a nice area of San Jose and where she went to school was a decent school. But then hearing kids in her elementary school talk about pop rocks and all this stuff, like basically cranking shit for kids that kids have the access to this shit at schools. I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there like, what the hell? I mean, I knew 
Uh, so when I was growing up, it was in the neighborhoods. It wasn't in the schools. Like at high school, then you would hear about kids like. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. We didn't have it in the schools. It was always like you're walking home or something. Yeah. But yeah, now yeah. kids are starting to find out about that shit in schools. Like it, my daughter was in fifth grade. She came home. We had to sit down and have a whole talk with her about this stuff. So, I mean, society has changed a lot. I mean, I mean, I didn't, I didn't hear about Like I said, I knew about it on the streets, but I didn't hear about any drugs until I got to high school. And then when I got to high school, that's yeah. when I heard about drugs. Now my daughter heard about drugs in elementary school, like with kids bringing this shit to school and getting in trouble for it. You think so badly of drugs that when you mention it in the same name as your mom, you want to make sure the world knows you're not disparaging your mom. No, is that, is that right? Ever. Yeah. You love your mom and, and, and you're not judging what you want to make sure that's clear is that you're not judging her. You're not blaming her. You're nope. not like, like you, you're, gra- you're, you're happy with your upbringing. Like, I'm, like I'm, in respect to your mom's uh, pre- presence in it. If, if you think, if I look at how my mom was treated by some, this is why I, I choose not to be a certain way. I watched my mom get abused by men. Okay. Abused. And isn't that we were both raised by single moms too. I mean, yeah. my dad was in my life a lot. So I, sh- I, I well, my but, dad, my I, dad was, my dad was full some prison. So that, I don't know if I told you this, but going to damn. a prison as a kid, I was fucking embarrassed. I hated going to a, like, I'll never forget. I hated it. I was humiliated when I'd go to that prison. I freaking hated it. And so my whole life, I said, I'll never go to jail. And so that's what made me stay away from drugs because I saw what Folsom Prison was. I I have a book that my dad wrote. He's dead. is he still in there? I, I uh, my, no, he's dead. He, he oh. died. So I have a book that is about this big that he wrote. That he knows the Melendez guys. He's been around. Who's that one crazy ass dude? Manson. He yeah. had all of everything. Has a big ass book and wrote about each of these individuals because he was in there for almost. I mean, think about it for most of my whole damn life. I mean, was he in there for drugs? Was it drugs? Uh, I think he was in there for robbery. I think he was in there for robbery. I was such a young kid when, when it happened, but um, I wouldn't doubt it if he was doing drugs. So I didn't really have a tight relationship with him, but, um, but uh, all I know is that I just, I just knew that I didn't want that type of life for, for myself. But all I know is that men did not treat my mom well. And, you know, in, you know, my mom in her younger years made some bad mistakes and some of those mistakes caught up with her, you know, and that's why she's dealing with it with her health. So please, if anyone hears this, I'm not condemning my mom. My no. mom never did that shit in front of us. She, you know, I didn't find out until like I knew something was wrong, but I didn't find out until she hit it so well. I didn't find out until she was doing it until high school because she hit it so well. And I found out because someone else told me. Yeah. So, so as we got older and more mature, then my mom talked about it and we talked about it and that's what we discussed. But you want to know something without those experiences, I wouldn't be able to have the experience that I have now. And I wouldn't be who I am now. You know, that's why a lot of times I go out and I try to go out of my way and help people. And yes, I do have a hard exterior because when you've grown around, grown up around a bunch of fucking gangsters and crackheads and fucking heroin addicts and all that stuff you see how those people are and those people are pretty fucking shitty because they don't give a damn they want to know when their next fix is going to be and they could give a shit two shits about you but that's a difference my mom never acted that way man um I, i'm reading this book um by uh 
a guy named Patrick Bet David. Do you know who that is? No, I don't. What's the name of the book? Um, I don't even know. It has the number five. It has the number five in it. I just started it yesterday. But uh, he he lived in a refugee camp in Germany, and then his, he he escaped Tehran during during the war with the Iraq Iran war in the eighties when they were fighting each other. Then he went to refugee camp in Germany, and then his parents fled here, and uh, he ended up in in Glendale, California. And it's, it's, it sounds like he got involved in a lot of gangs and shit like that. Um, oh, here it is. Your next five moves. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice, nice. I oh just- my god, dude. I I'm this book. I'm I'm only like a. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm listening to it on audio. I'm probably like an hour into it. I, I was I had to stop and call Matt. Matt Souza read the book, and I'm like, dude, th- I cannot believe how dense this thing is, full of information, and it's it's how I take information too. Lots of numbers and stories, and I like it. So, um, in there he base it's a very interesting thing he says, and I've said it before, and it's probably not a very popular thing, but there's this I, there's this whole idea of privileged. And basically, I, there's a premise that he gives up, like people who've had a really hard upbringing, like they actually have the most. Oh, yeah. It's so good, dude. They have the most. And, and he's 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 rich as fuck now, this guy. He just bought a $20 million house, I think, all cash. He showed everyone on Instagram. He's like, hey, I'm not showing this to brag. I'm showing this to show you what hard work can do. I'm, I'm a refugee. I'm a, I'm a he's half Armenian, half Iranian. And uh, um. Like it is from our hearts. It is the people who had who 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 come from hardship. Like I also read some stat the other day that like like ninety percent of the millionaires in this country are self made, yeah. and um, meaning meaning they didn't come from privilege. And 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 I see stories like this. And but you know that's true with all these people. You know that's true with fucking Oprah and LeBron and Kanye and Jay Z and and um. These motherfuckers had to work. And and when you say that I wish people wouldn't talk about the problem, I talk about solution. Those are the people who need to hear what you just said. Those people need to get with Neil and be like, hey, stop talking about the problem. I know it's popular to talk about the problem, but start talking about the solution because those people did it. Like, like if if those people would have listened to themselves now, they won't they wouldn't make shit of their lives. Do you know what I mean? You kind of and um um this guy this guy David um David uh Pat uh um uh uh Patrick uh, Patrick Bet David he says basically the same thing that Matt Fraser says. Matt Fraser took second place and he hated it, and then he realized that a second place medal was his favorite medal because he he and he hung it in his gym, and it was the one that basically said to him every morning, "Fuck you, you're not worthy," and he used that as rocket fuel, right? Like, and uh, Patrick Bet David did that too. He took all the things that people said negative about them, and those are the things he read to himself in the morning. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, damn, that's the opposite of the affirmations. He's all, those are the things I use as rocket fuel. And I was mom, like, yeah. What you just said there is exactly what I did. I had teachers who told me that I would be nobody, that I'd be in jail like my dad and locked up. This is in high school. Like school teachers? School teachers, yes. So you have to understand, I was a single, I was raised by a single mother. She had five children. So there's times where I'd go to school and I was having a bad day and I'd act up a little bit. Yeah. That's what would happen. There wasn't, how can I say, I didn't feel like I had the proper leadership. 
And so that's where I looked to my coaches and it was my coaches, my football coach, my football coach that Brad Scythe, who taught me the biggest lesson in life. He taught me a biggest lesson in life and I'll never forget. You know, I was a, I was a starter. And then one day, one time he sat me and he, he benched me and he's all, you know why I'm benching you, right? It wasn't that I wasn't a good enough athlete. He says that I needed to get my ducks in or like get my, get my shit in order. I got to You know, I got to show up each and every day for my team. I got to respect the person next to me. Not only that, when I'm out there that, you know, I don't got to be out there. I get to be out there each and every day. And when I'm out there, don't waste any minute because you don't know when it's going to be your last. Mm. When he put me out there and he sat me, it was my senior year. And I was like pissed because I was like, this is going, or uh, this is not going, or sorry, it was my junior year. This is not going to get me to college. This is going to mess me up. This, I was pissed, but it was the best lesson that I ever learned. And it, it, it taught me that, that sometimes you can, you know, don't, don't believe all the hype in your head. You can get full of yourself. Sometimes you got to take some humble fucking pie and you need to lower yourself down. And just like, like just what I mean by you, you're not above everyone else. Bring yourself down to earth and make sure that you're respecting the person who's next to you, just like they're going to respect you and treat others the way you want to be treated. So I learned some valuable lessons from coaches. And so those, I guess I look to as I guess my father mentors were all the coaches. And if it wasn't for sports, who knows where I would have been because the, the drive to want to play at each and every next level is what kept me from staying away from the gang, staying away. Well, drugs I stayed away from because I just didn't want to end up in jail and it, like that stuff. But it kept me away from all that nonsense because of the simple fact that, you know, I had a goal of trying to make it to the NFL, even though I didn't make it to the NFL. I mean, I had an opportunity you know, it, it got cut short. I ended up making it to the games, which was still be, becoming a professional athlete like I wanted to be. Do you have Do you have um, uh, any side hustles going besides um, the gym? I know you have the gym and the kid, and that's a lot. Well, do, you, so, do you do other? I mean, mostly with the gym and the in my son. That's what I mainly focus on. I mean, you know, I do programming. I mean, but who doesn't do programming today, right? I mean, shit. I've been in the field for twenty four years. I mean. You know, anytime I was at the CrossFit Games, I usually won all the strong events and I was the oldest guy out there. So I know a little bit of stuff, uh, just a little bit, not that much, (laughs) just a little bit. But, you know, what I learned is from failure. I learned a lot of my stuff from failing on my own, you know, and if it wasn't me in the gym experimenting with things and failing, I would have never learned what I've learned today. And I think there a lot of times, you know, people take a textbook and they try to follow this textbook inside and out and are like, oh yeah, or see this great Instagram and, oh, I'm going to do this. Whereas a lot of your learning is just, you should do it on your own, you know, learn from what works best for you because what works best for you may not work best for the next person or the next person after that, but yet find out what does, journal it. And as you journal it, then see what if you can reproduce those results with other people. And since I've had my gym for, I mean, I've been in this field since 99, uh, wait, earlier than that. Well, I've had a gym since 2004 and uh, I graduated in 99. I graduated from college in 99 and then I started, oh, here's a good story. So uh, back wait, in Real day, quick before you tell me a story, don't forget, how many locations have you been in since 19, since 2004? Uh, three. Okay. Not bad. Okay. Uh, go so, ahead. So great story. I started, I started off in a garage. I started off in a two car garage at my house. 
Then I moved into a, a small warehouse and I moved into this 7,000 square foot uh, building. And so the story that I was, uh, um, that I was going to go over, well, I just lost my train of thought on that one, but where was I at? I lost How did you learn? How did you learn all this stuff? Is it like, how do you know? Like, do you do, do you do every, do you do your books? Do you do your taxes? Do you like pay the rent? Do you like sign the leases? Who does all that shit? I do it all, man. I love all of that stuff. You do. I I love accounting. I love every, I mean, I love it. I mean, honestly, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing, I probably would have been an accountant because I love. No shit. Yeah. Sousa likes that shit. Sousa likes that shit too. I I can't. I, I would have if if I didn't have a wife I'd put like have money under the mattress like I'm so I I I it's so heady to me it's so adulty to me yeah you I love, like it, huh? I, I I love numbers man there's nothing like numbers so based off that your next five moves a, a book that if you haven't read it is forty eight laws of power that's okay I, I have just, that book I haven't read yeah. it so so I've had that book on my shelf uh, well sorry it started in my Audible for so. This is how I do my Audible. I'll have Audible, and if the book is really good and I listen to it on Audible, I buy the book. Oh, that's what Susan does too. He read. He, I asked him about that Five Moves book, and I'm like that the one I'm reading now, and he's like, I'm like, dude, this book is so fucking dense. I can't. I'm gonna need paper and pencils. I listen to it, and he goes, Yeah, that's why I bought the hard copy after I listened to it a few times. Yep. I'm like, motherfucker, uh, man. So there is a book um, that I want to share for you that I want you to. Uh, this book is uh let me let me pull it let me get it from my archives uh real fast but this book is a book that i think that you should read to your sons or when they're old enough to read so you know and this is not the book but i'm going to mention a book the first book i'm going to mention is napoleon hill think and grow rich very common book right but Uh this is this think and grow rich this new book that 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 i read is it takes formalities from think and grow rich I don't know if you read the book, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. No. Okay. And then uh, here, let me just hold on a second. Susan, do you know all these books he's talking about? The Monkey Sold the Ferrari. You know that one? (laughs) No, I haven't heard that one, but the other ones have 48 Laws of Power is really good. Robert Greene. I've been been on this, but let me pull this. uh, Let me uh, pull this because I archived it. And I don't, I want to. So this is a problem with me. I'll read books and I forget the titles and I forget the author, but I never forget. The lessons that I learned. Me too. Me too. I, I same with cities I go to. So I travel. I've been to like I've been all over India, and someone could ask me where, and I couldn't tell you one place. I just always say Varanasi because that's the only one I can remember. I can't remember cities. I can't remember the names of books. And then or I also, should say I can't. I don't. I don't make it a priority. Do any of you guys know how to pull uh, pull your books out of archive? If you archived them uh, in uh, Audible. Yeah, I think you just have to go to your to the library there. Then yep. And then if you scroll down, it should they should be there. You might have to hit the button to like re-upload them. In August, download, finished. Uh, let's see, collections, authors, January. Uh, damn it! I think it's it like that. Damn it! I, I either way. I, I There's no rush. There's no rush. Tell me what what's it about? Maybe Susan read it. So, so basically, what this book is about, it's called it. Oh, it came to me. It's called the Wealthy Gardener. Mm. Look this up. Watch if you guys can pull this up real quick. It's called The Wealthy Gardener. It's something you read to your kids. So this book, when I read it, it's a book that I'm going to read to my son because the lessons in this book, and there's so many of these lessons. It's it's it, 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 if you could pull it up. I don't know if you uh, if you can. Uh, yeah, I got it right here for you. This book right here, 
has been this I just want to share with everybody because this is one of those books. If you have a child, you want to share it with them. Basically, it's about this gentleman who um, basically came from nothing and is self-established and wanted to pay it for to kids who are underprivileged. And how he started was he started with his next door neighbor with a kid who was kind of lost and all his metaphors have to relate to a garden. So whatever happens in life, there's like, like, you know, like for instance, like, you know, with friends, sometimes you got to pull weeds. Sometimes you guess what? Friends can be nice roses one day and weeds the next day and you got to pull them, but it just has just so many lessons in there. And I don't want to do this guy is, you know, I, I want to give him justice. So I just recommend for people to read this, share the lessons in there with your kids, with your family, because there's some great lessons. And he talks about so much, so many good things in there. And I don't want to destroy the book. I just know that the book is just a great book to share with your kids. Awesome. And so I, basically, I just put it in my card on Amazon. I mean, once you listen, I mean, this guy just, 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 I mean, I mean, left, like how you're talking about this book that I just downloaded right now, the five, I mean, it, it just taught it like the 48 laws. It just gives you so many just pieces that you're like, oh, I'm going to use this. Oh, I'm going to use it. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to use it. Just like so many nuggets, man. Yeah. Neil, there's this kind of journey that I see a lot of young men go through. Um, you're a young man and you want a lot of nice things. You want a car, you want fancy rims, you want the nice stereo. And then um, you go through this uh, phase in your life where you realize material objects aren't, um, aren't important to you at all and aren't relevant to your happiness. So you kind of like, for me, I took it to an extreme and I tried to like really embody kind of like the Jesus ascetic lifestyle. I chose to be homeless and I got rid of everything I owned. And, um, but now that I'm older and wiser, all the pieces, well, who who knows? I'm sure more will unfold. Also, it always seems like, you know, everything, but you can, there's a Taoist saying, give everything up and you'll receive everything. You can you can own a thousand Ferraris and not be attached to any of them. It just oh, yeah. takes a fucking shitload of fucking practice. And that's and that's that's the fucking goal. And what does it mean to not be attached to them? To not be attached is um and I use this example all the time, to not be attached is to drive your brand new um Honda uh um uh accord that you spent $50,000 from right off the lot, be really happy with it, driving down the freeway and a rock pops up and, and cracks your windshield. And you experience some discomfort and pain, but you just watch it. And you don't let it change your mood, but you, you, it's just different. It's just different. It's not who you are. You're disappointed, of course, the windshield got cracked. It's your brand new car. But it's not who you are. It doesn't change your mood. You don't try to pull up next to the truck driver and fucking flip him off. You don't. You, you, you're, you're at peace with the journey of the object as you are with the same with the peace of, of the journey of yourself. But, but you can have 20 Accords. You can still have the Ferrari. It's just yep. your relationship with it has to be um, of, of non-attachment. I, I mean so, – so what you're saying, you feel right me, now. you feel me on that. It's like, it's like this journey, like there's a, there's a, and it's not even balance. It's relationship. So what's funny is that what you're talking about is uh, I studied this book. So when I was in college, it's uh, I, I was, I got a minor in religion. So I was studying. Oh, sweet. I know a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Me got a minor in religion, but it's kind of funny because uh, I studied a bunch of different uh, religions, but the biggest thing is I read this book called the Gita. And uh-huh. uh, 
when I read this book called the Gita, it talks about how these individuals would give up all the riches of life, like would just completely give shit up and just like be one with self. If you really want to truly master oneself, you got to be able to give up luxuries and riches and like basically, you know, like, you know, you know, sex, all that stuff, you know? Yep. 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 I tried all that. (laughs) And people thought I was fucking crazy. I like literally did it in college. Like I would stay away, like literally isolated myself, did all that stuff. And you want to know something? I was so I've never been more in touch with my soul and myself than I've ever been in my life. Like it was almost like I would, I would be around, I, I can go around people and I could feel their aura. Like I, I know it sounds crazy, but I know I a hundred percent what you're talking can, about. Like when I wasn't in the mainstream of society, like watching all the other, and I was focused on one and just really whole with myself, I could feel other people's aura. Like, like, like what's crazy though, is that I can, before they would even speak, I can tell them what they're thinking. Like, I can't explain the shit that I experienced at that time. I can't explain it. All I got to say is it sounds like some fake movie ass stuff because the way it, the way I felt and what I experienced was like no other, but just like Adam, like there was almost no Neil and you only experienced what other people experienced. Exactly. And then of course it was like Adam and Eve, you know, where, where Eve got Adam to bite the forbidden fruit, you know, that one girl got me to knock off my path. And then all of a sudden it all went haywired after that. But you know, you I go from trip. you go from sleeping on the floor because you want to you want to be one with the earth, and next next thing you know you're sleeping in a king size mattress with a hot chick and um, silk sheets. <laughs> that no hatred towards women. That's by the way. Could it, could, could no, 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 hate, no yeah, hatred. Yeah, no yeah, hatred yeah, yeah, yeah. at all. Trust me. Hey it, Neil, that's exactly. I, I knew that that was the path, and I was unable to to have that relationship with objects. So I did the exact thing to to just let them go. So that I did the exact thing you did. I just got rid of everything. Okay, fine. Then I'll just get – if I don't know how to interact with objects without being attached to them, I'll just get rid of everything. And that's what I did. And you're right. That's exactly what it was like. I knew what people – I knew like I would whole – I would have like out-of-body conver- body experiences during whole conversations with people. And people would freak out because I would never be using my own mind. I would be using their mind. So like someone I just met at a coffee shop, I'd be saying everything that they were thinking. They're like, how the fuck are you doing that? But I didn't even know. Yep. I didn't even know. I don't, I don't know. I didn't know. I don't even know what I'm doing. And so the, the tattoo, that's why I got this tattoo on my arm and it's a, it's an old school tattoo, but it's basically what it is, is it's a sun and it uh, has some writing inside there. And in, in the middle of the sun, it has an eye. And so it says uh, marks of a true one. And what that stands for me is always be true to yourself. You know, and I think of this saying in my head and if anyone ever, ever heard about it before Spike Lee said it, uh, never fake the funk on a nasty dunk. Uh, meaning like, you know, it's just like, you know, <laughs> you know, just be true to yourself. Just be real. You know? there, there's too many people who try to hold these fake personas. People yeah. are either going to like you or they're not. And even if they, even if they don't, as long as you love yourself and you treat others with respect, you're fine. But, yeah. but the biggest thing is, is, you know, it's a sun. The sun is a light and the eye is my soul. So it's a light around my soul it, to always know that 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 you know we are we're bright individuals the only way we can dimmer ourselves is if we allow ourselves to dimmer that's the yeah. only way we go into darkness but guess what 
there's light around us each and every each and every day. When I see my son, that's that that this my spirit. That's my that's my pride and joy. That's that's yeah. my you know, when I see my wife, when I see my family, when I see my friends, there's there's that energy and that aura that's around us 24-7 that can pick you up and lift you up. As long as you stay in that, you know, positive, uh, you know, positive uh, state of mind and you're striving to, you know, do better good for others, then, you know, worse. Abadil, when you say an eye, you mean the letter I or an eyeball? Oh, sorry, the eyeball. So, eyeball. So, so because if you ever really, truly – so when I was studying the Gita and reading the book, of God, I read all that stuff, you know, you'd look into people's eyes and you can see, I, I don't know if you want to say their soul, but I felt like I could see their soul. I can tell, like, you can look deep into someone's eyes and you can know if a person is truly, truly sincere, like, or if a person's really, truly present, or if they're not, like, you can see a lot through true eye contact. Like yeah. true eye contact, you know, and I'm talking about where you're in a setting, not like I'm just walking on the street and oh, I'm just looking here. But when you're in a like intimate setting, and you're talking and really expressing your feelings with someone and talking like you can really share your soul with that individual. It's um, it's it's interesting. Do you, do you ever feel like you have to dim your own light? Um, not that you have to. But you do because to to fit in with all the other lights. So like like you so don't want it's, it's kind of like that in the grocery store. Every time I go into the grocery store, I'm like, dude, I'm am I like the only person in here? Like no no one's paying attention to anything except what they're doing. And it's what? this uh and I just kind of trip on that. I, so I, I feel like I'm invisible, not or I feel like they're invisible, and I'm the only one there. They're just ghosts, kind of. So here's a perfect example. Like I could take their wallet out of their purse; they wouldn't even fucking know. You know what so, I mean? Like they're just oblivious. This is the funniest thing, Savon. There's a guy I live in Willow Glen, and so there's a guy who walks his dog every single day, and when he's walking his dog, he waves to every single car with the biggest smile. He'll like, hey, like so happy, <laughs> so present, and when I watch. Like me. So every time he walks by, I'm like, hey, I'm waving right back. Hey, I don't even know the guy, right? And he's uh, yeah. like, way back. Then he's all, yeah, he goes like this. But yet you only see him do this. I, I mean, I, I've sat down and I've seen him go by and I've seen him do it maybe one or two times. Most of the people just look and they look and they see a guy waving. And they're like, who's this crazy guy? And all the yeah. dude is. Just fucking trying to sp spread more happiness and trying to just be civil. I mean, just yes, be a yes. Because most people, this is what they want to do. They want to stay in their own box. I mean, shit. Yeah. They sit in a box car. They go into a box office. You know, they yeah. they're just you know going as going about life in a robotic way. And you want to know something? I'm guilty of it sometimes. That you know, yeah. get so focused and get so caught up that I forget we're all human. Guess right. what? We're meant to be social. We're meant to be interacting with other people and to have social lives. And having a social life is just saying hi to your neighbor. Back in the day, people used well, to you say said it. Be civil. My dad used to say that. Yeah. Be civil, man. You know what happened? To, you know, believe it or not, Mister Rogers. Do you remember that as a kid? Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen to the stuff that he taught kids on those shows. Now look at what we teach kids. I mean. Have you seen some of the shows now? I don't, I, I don't, I really don't know. I haven't. 
it's, you know, it's funny. It, whenever it, anyone it, sends me, I, I, I try to stay away from it. The, a teacher recently asked, uh, um, I'll tell you a story. Go ahead. Tell me, Mr. Rogers. So it's, uh, what's funny is that me and my wife uh, went back and watched the first Sesame Street. Oh, wow. That show's gone to shit, the too. First se- but if you look at all the stuff that was made in the 60s and 70s and stuff, I mean, it's good. It, it's good content. Like, it's content that it, that is teachable to, like, teaches, like, it's good content. Yeah. But, I loved Sesame Street as a kid. I think it's how know, I learned English. You know, I think it's garbage. Uh, well, I, a lot of the stuff isn't good now, but. Um, it's bad now. It's horrible now. It's horrible. When me and my wife were watching it, it was just like, you know, what are some things that we want our son to be able to see and watch and stuff? And so we're yeah. reviewing stuff to see what can you learn? Like, you know, are these teachable? Like, you know, what are stuff? You know, we don't want him stuck on a TV or on an iPad or anything like that. But when he does, like if we do allow him a half an hour of TV time or something like that, what is something educational that we feel comfortable for him to watch? And so that's why we reviewed the old school and we aren't doing the new school. It's a lot of the old school. because Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I have my kids watch all the old school shit too. Old school, yeah. yeah. And, you know, if they're gonna watch cartoons. They're gonna watch some old shit. Yes, you know, <laughs> yeah. stuff is just a little bit different. So that's what I thought was uh, pretty cool. Is just going back and reviewing that stuff, man. But man, I'll tell you, man, life has been uh, been a been a ride. You know, it's been a ride. And I will say one thing, even uh, with with uh, going back to, and this is going back to what we were talking about earlier with CrossFit. One thing I will say is that I'm very grateful for the fact that I was introduced to CrossFit by my buddy Jacobole in 2009. Ooh, my computer might die. Here I'm on carry, so bear with me. Yeah, I'll do talk it. with you while, uh, while I don't get my uh, my computer to die. But um, you know, my buddy my buddy Jacobole got me into CrossFit, and I'm very grateful for CrossFit and everything that is uh, provided. So you guys are going to take a look at my gym while I'm walking around this whole place. Yeah, that's a beautiful gym. Congratulations. I have barriers, I have barriers everywhere, so I have a another area where I have a private site over here with more rigs and stuff where I train a lot of my um, NFL athletes and stuff like that. But I'm going to go, I'm heading into my office. Hold on. Okay. So Jacoble 2009. So Jacoble introduced me to uh, pretty much uh, introduced me to CrossFit. And when he introduced me to CrossFit in, um, in 2009, you know, I basically want to say, you know, I'm grateful for CrossFit and everything that is provided for me and everything that it's allowed, like all the people that I've been allowed to meet and be around and experience. So I'm very grateful for every opportunity that has happened in the sport of CrossFit for as long as I've been a part of CrossFit. And a lot of it happened when I was, you know, in CrossFit when Dave was running CrossFit. So moving forward, I'm not too sure if I'm going to be a part of CrossFit anymore due to the fact that the person who got me into CrossFit is no longer a part of CrossFit because CrossFit got rid of that person. And, um, you know, I don't think, I don't, I don't know if I really want to continue to support, um, well, I'll perform CrossFit, but I don't know if I want to continue to support a brand that is now involving monster. Okay. If you think about monster, monster is a Coca-Cola product. Think about Coca-Cola. What did we fight against for so long of not trying to have in schools? Why do you think we have child obesity and all that stuff? Because what do they have in schools going on right now? You have these big-ass corporations paying these schools to put these products in these schools, and you look at what's in these containers and all this stuff. Guess what? It's killing us inside and out. It's killing us. You know, Don't get me wrong. I'll drink a, a Coke once every so often, but having it daily or having Cheetos and 
all these sugary snacks and all that stuff. Do you understand a lot of these companies own all these brands underneath them because they buy up these brands and then they start, you know, using shittier ingredients that start to kill us, kill us off. There's another book that I want to that read and it's called the unhealthy truth It's by uh, Robin. Uh, I mean, I, I have a, I have a bookshelf over here with probably about 500 books over there, <laughs> but it's called the unhealthy truth. And she talks about in there. And I read this because this woman talked about like everything that I'm studying now is for my son. So everything that I study is to better, to educate yeah. myself, yeah, to make sure that he doesn't have the experience that I went through that he has a better experience but the unhealthy truth right here when i when i read this it basically talks about um this lady was trying to figure out why her kids were always getting sick what was going on and so she couldn't figure out why they were getting sick so she went in and started researching reading medical journals started studying all this stuff and then when she started studying all this information she started realizing that this group called monosanto Okay, that owns 90% of most soy products that are out there that produced, you know, the, um, what's, a, what are like a lot of those things that, uh, uh basically, GMOs, that, chemicals, genetically chemicals, modified. Yeah, yeah, all the chemicals, they, trying to get rid of the seeds. Yep. But they, they yeah, but, but basically they produce this major chemical that, um, I forgot. Oh, Roundup? You're talking about Roundup? Yeah, they made these chemicals that kill people. And then they're making these genetically modified seeds where you're having blue seeds that they're putting in the ground that are growing, that they're rechanging the 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 our DNA of the of the seed. So when you look at what they're doing and how they're genetically modifying all these foods and all that, she went went in and you'd see she actually got a backlash because she started exposing people. Did you know that like um What's She's lucky they haven't killed her. No, well, I'm not being well, extreme, but watch here. Let me grab this. Uh, grab this book. Real quick. But this book right here. I mean, this book right here. I mean, it's just. I mean, the stuff that she says in here is just like, holy shit. I mean, she she basically talks about how in Great Britain out there or like out in Europe that they don't they don't have organic food. It's either food or GMO. You know, like yeah, here we have organic or food. And so what's crazy is like, you know, I don't want to spoil the book for anyone. You guys got to read it to really get the information, but you'll be surprised at the stuff that you can figure out. And you'll be surprised at all the chemicals and all the stuff that they put in the food that can have a profound effect on your kid's attitude in their life. And think about it. If it affects kids, why don't you think it, it can affect adult if they're eating that food as well? Yes, yes. You know, and that's what people don't understand. I'll show you something that I saw the other day. It's absolutely crazy. So there's this guy, Albert Bula, Bula, Albert Bula. Albert Bula is a Greek American veterinarian and veterinarian. He's a veterinarian and chief executive officer at Pfizer. He's a veterinarian. This is his, his wiki page. His wiki page on Google. Okay. Yep. Now I'm gonna play this for you. Now listen carefully, fucking people. I've told you this from day one. There's never been. This has never ever been hidden from any of you. They have been always 100 percent uh, very clear about this. And now you're gonna be like, no, no, it's not. Uh, this is this is this is the CEO of Pfizer. 
Okay, and and just just listen carefully here. I'll try to play it a few times for you. To slip out, I don't know, but he admitted something that we here have been saying for a while. Watch. And we know that um, the three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. And we know that um, the three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. And we know that um, the three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. We know that the first two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. Not my words. That is the CEO of Pfizer. But don't worry. They're coming up with more shots to fix that. I mean, anyway. You have to take responsibility for your own kids is my point. Like like what you're doing. You have to study. You have to study. You have to study. I'll tell I'll tell you one thing. I can't I can't talk too much on COVID or the vaccinations or anything like that. Yeah, I, that's the whole. Neither can, can I. Talk, but the but the CEO talk, Pfizer can. Ten hours and all that, and they could talk that. I have my thoughts and all that stuff, and I'll keep yeah. that stuff to myself. But one thing, I will just go. I lost you, Neil. You froze. I just got a. Uh, you can't talk to it. You'll keep it to yourself. But and then you froze. Did we lose Neil? Did we lose Neil? Oh, I hate that sound. We lost Neil. Okay, man, my, my, I play with my mic too much. Neil, we lost you, baby. We lost you. We lost you. We lost you. We lost you, Neil. We lost you. We lost you. We lost you. We lost you. I'll read some text messages. Well, uh, oh, it looks like Monday we're going to do, I'm going to do a recap show of the CrossFit Open with uh, Brian Friend. On Monday. Excuse me. Well, that was an hour and 52 minutes with Neil Maddox. We've lost him. I wonder if his battery died in his computer. He's got bad Wi-Fi. You think he'll log back in? Excuse me. At least I got to get in some 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 vaccine talk. Got to get up on my high horse. It was the Illuminati, Darren says. I struggle with the monster energy thing. But, but I mean, you really got me there. That's a good one. Here's the thing. I feel like anyone should be able to pay for anything and get anything they want. And I believe in capitalism and free markets. And if CrossFit wants to take money from Monster Energy Drink, fine. What I don't like is, is if they, if they, if, if you're going to lie about it, if you're going to actually like, like that shit is bad for you. It causes obesity. It causes cancer. It's like, it's like if you had to choose between that and water, you would choose water. 10,000 times out of uh, 10,000 times. Can, can, can those people still say that? And, and you bring up a really good point. What if, what if some kid sees Noah holding that? I don't want to use Noah as an example. I don't know if he's sponsored by them, but you see someone, um, uh, some super athlete holding that. And, um, and then a kid thinks that that, that that's okay because they're doing it. And that is how the mind works. What's even crazier is, is that you have people like LeBron, Venus and Serena who, who are supposedly representing the dream, especially for black kids. And then they're selling poison or the rock. I mean, it's, if they even have one inkling of that being true and they still do it. I mean, if they're ignorant as fuck, I, I, I will give them a pass. But if they have one inkling of knowing that that's true, it's crazy. Because it is the source of probably 
outside of not having dual parents at home, it is the source of almost all problems in this country. People consuming that shit. So yeah, it's a, it's a, um, it's a tough one. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I think we've seen already from CrossFit, from the leadership there, that the integrity is completely fucking out the door and that they would never speak truth, truthfully about monster. Um, and that, which basically means it's corrupt. And, uh, I expect nothing else when your fiduciary duties are to make money as opposed to tell the truth, which is the way it used to be. But I'm sound like a broken record, but it's fun. I don't mind it. Okay, guys, we're out of here. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, tomorrow, do we, do we have a guest tomorrow? Oh man, tomorrow we have Joey Gomez on. Who is Joey Gomez? Sevon. He's a uh, retired UFC athlete who is coming back after five or six years and uh, without fighting and fighting on March 4th. Um, and I love talking to myself, uh, talking to, I love talking to myself and I love talking to a uh, professional fighter. I will see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye.